Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to another episode of David Attenborough's Dumb Planet. I'm a fish that has no eyes and no face, but one very long nose, Hannah Varrell. Joining me is very tiny squid, Alexandra Haddo. Thanks, Hannah. Listeners will remember me from that time I strangled an adult dolphin. But to be fair, that dolphin was a hamsy fucker. <laughs> and plankton that is boring to learn about, but somehow vital to the ecosystem, Caroline O'Donoghue. You might not like me, but you'll miss me when all the fish starve to death and you can't have your John West snack pack. How sorry we'll be for doubting you. This week we're talking Russian leaders, fridges and jeans, and not the ones that make you predisposed to diseases. <laughs> Let's start the show. So, Caroline, you're looking a little bow-legged today. Uh, have you perchance fucked a horse on your way over here? I haven't fucked a horse, Hannah, but you're close enough because this year is the 100th anniversary of Russia fucking itself. Oh, OK. I did that only yesterday. <laughs> I jest, of course, but it is actually the 100th anniversary of the Russian Revolution this year. And uh, I'm always quite predisposed to learning about Russia because it's massive and weird. Um, so there's been loads of stuff on BBC iPlayer about the Romanovs, about um, Russian fashion. There's all kinds of cool stuff going around. And uh, I found myself very drawn to Catherine the Great. Now, is she Russian? Do you know what? Very interesting start-off point because she actually doesn't have a drop of Russian blood in her, but is one of Russia's greatest rulers. Oh, was she I... French or something? She was German. She was a German princess. Oh, I thought she was married to Henry VIII. Who wasn't? You know I mean? <laughs> Slightly different time. Like. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, well, no, Catherine the Great was, she was actually born Sophia in 1729 as like a, she was like a princess, she was a German princess, but you know how back in the day when like there were kind of a lot of princesses around and you could sort of be a princess but not have like two pennies to rub together and you're yeah, just like, yeah, in yeah. a drafty castle with but one servant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're like, we need money for, for the estate. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, I watched Sense and Sensibility recently and there's this big scene at the beginning where they're like, oh, we're so poor and like, we can only keep two butlers. <laughs> yeah. like, fuck off. Agreed. Young Kate Winslet. Um, but yeah, so she was this uh, poor-ish German princess who had this um, really like unhappy former socialite mother who like was one of these, I'll never forgive you for being born a girl. <laughs> and she was I don't like, know I'm picturing Rose DeWittaker's mother in Titanic. <laughs> like, oh my God, essentially that situation of like her mom being like, you're awful yeah we must save the family <laughs> yeah no like we might as well just watch Titanic again rather than watch okay. <laughs> because like her entire early life is just Rose from Titanic 
Um, but yeah, it's um, so she was like really kind of sidelined and nobody really paid attention to her as a kid. But because of that, she was allowed to like develop this enormous intellect. Um, and she was like reading about like reading like important French scholars when she was like nine. Sure. Yeah. And uh, she was like noted for being troublesome in class because she would like ask her teachers like, um, oh, so, you know, all the people who were born before Jesus, are they in hell? Because that doesn't make any sense. Like she was like that kid. Like, right. Always like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like her entire life. Yeah. And but then, why? Yeah. Yeah. She was like, yeah, but why kid? But probably actually had something to back it up. Yeah. Um, and then when she was a teenager, she was like taken to the Russian court to be married off to a Russian prince, to Peter Romanov, um, who was just... Ugh, like absolutely mank like, really? yeah. yeah he was like the heir to the Russian throne um, but everyone was like oh get rid really? do you know what I mean yeah. um, and that is the weird thing because I'm actually reading that book The Romanovs at the moment and the whole thing about Russian society back before the revolution was like even though it was like this imperialistic thing that was succession if you weren't like a good Tsar they could just say you're not the true Tsar and they would just strike you down like there's basically a 50% murder rate if you're a Romanov king wow. so there were like people who like literally just did not want the job they were like no no thank you pass hard pass did it pass down like within families then it was supposed to but also like you know how in english history there was a lot of like oh but you don't you're not the true heir because you're you don't have this lineage they were like a little bit less obsessed with that like there was actually in and in russian courts as well it was very much about like let the brightest and best win okay, within this yeah. certain class like obviously you're not going to rise up from peasant but like if yeah. you just seem like good like you people will just sort of like push you to the front and so they've ex- basically just always been an oligarchy but under the guise of like yeah Totally. Um, And what happened with Catherine, she was born Sophia, she changed her name to Ekaterina when she became Russian. She essentially just decided when she got married, I'm Russian now, this is what I'm about. So she did marry Peter the... Yes. Peter the ugly. Peter the gross. (laughs) (laughs) Has anyone got a sudden craving for vodka? Yeah, Peter the Gross, who was like totally infantile to the point that like he he absolutely hated her. He had no time for her at all, even though she was really hot. Like was later played by Catherine Zeta Jones in a film, so yeah. she must have been really hot. Maybe he was gay. I don't think he was gay. I think he was just like broadly uninterested in women. I think you know, like those like really spindly, like inbred royal uh, person who like yeah, maybe probably he was doesn't asexual. Have a penis. Yeah. Possibly. Like Colin from The Secret Garden. Like, completely Colin from The Secret Garden, yeah. 100%. To the extent that um, when they were, like, forced to be alone together in their, like, royal bedchambers because they had to produce an heir somehow, and, like, literally people would, like, push them into the same room oh. together. Oh, no. And she was like, this is gross. And she had so many lovers, by the way, like, tons. And oh, everyone fair. was like, you know what? She's putting up with enough and she's very clever. So just let's let her fuck cool. anyone. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they would be pushed in the same bedroom together and he would order the maids to come in and play with toy soldiers on the bed sheets. Like, how weird a fucking mental image is that? What? what and they yeah. just sit there watching them? Yeah. Uh, well, no, they wouldn't... No, sorry, like, they wouldn't be... I don't think they'd be having sex. He would just be like... Yeah. They'd, they'd be supposed watch- to be having their marital time. But they were, like, having a weird child's playtime. Yeah. Ooh. It's mental. Did she get... How did she not get knocked up by everyone else? Or did, was she just using the pull-out method? Well, she did. Oh, she did. Oh, yeah, she had um, within a few years. She had a quite a lot of miscarriages, but she had a son by somebody, like some, and everyone was like, "Fine, <laughs> <laughs> that'll do." <laughs> so um, Peter was made emperor of Russia in 1762, and 
it became really clear really quickly that this is just a, not a good idea. Um, like he was just completely disconnected from Russia. He didn't even speak Russian at home, oh, like God. preferring to speak German. Because I think, um, you know, Russia has always had like a weird PR problem. Mm. Like the like the West has always been like, oh, they're barbaric and this and that. And um, because they've got such, they're such a huge landmass and they've got such a huge population, like it's a really hard country to control in general. Yeah, which is like why it gets their leaders get murked so often. Mm. Um, but he was totally disconnected from Russia and the Russian people. Um, and then this tipping point came when, like, he decided that he was going to mobilize the Russian army to attack Denmark based on basically a personal grudge. Oh, Peter. <laughs> yeah, Peter. It's like, no, no, no. Always. Um, it was at that point uh, that he became the center of a coup led by his own wife. Love oh, her. Oh, my God. Yes. Love her. <laughs> yes, queen. <laughs> Was she just like, I'm sick of this shit, I don't want to shag you, you play toys instead of shagging me, you're coming from the secret garden, and now you've (laughs) had a fight over some Danish bacon or some shit. (laughs) I'm fucking sick of this. Yeah, literally that. It's kind of hard to tell um, whether it was like all the advisors being like, "Um, Catherine, you're great, do you want to, you also, you you be this. (laughs) And she went, I accept. Or whether it was her idea or whether it was just seemed like the best idea for yeah. it was so self-evident that she was so smart and so good. Um, but anyway, she got the army to swear fealty to her and essentially just launched a coup on her own husband and just said, "You need, I need to be the Tsar of all Russia or the Tsarina of all Russia. Can wow. you quietly step down, please? And then he was killed <gasps> quickly after. By who? In an unrelated bar brawl. Oh! <laughs> oh Peter had ever been to a bar. <laughs> Yeah, as if. <laughs> as if he's going to the pub. We're going yeah. to the pub with him. He's at the pub ordering a fucking cup of tea. Yeah. And then gets battered. <laughs> trying to provoke him into a fight for ages. Yeah. And yeah. what happens, they just glass him over yeah. the head. Sick of this. I've got to go home at nine. <laughs> um, so, at this point, Catherine's 33 years old and she's the most powerful woman in all of history. Wow. Like, we think of Russia, right? And we know it's huge, but they also had, like, Siberia and they had, like, bits of, like, like Turkey and oh, the Ottoman yeah. Empire and Loads stuff. Loads of shit. So at the height of her power, she was the queen of a seventh of the world's population. Oh my God. It's wow. a big job. Yeah. It's mental. Um, and like, it's not even just like, oh, I'm, I am the queen and I will just sit here and nod. And like, basically, like Queen Victoria was, you know, she was the queen of so many territories, but she had like her prime ministers. She had, she basically, yeah. there was a lot of smiling and nodding. Yeah. yeah. All she was bothered about was bloody Albert, wasn't she? Yeah. How's that? Like literally. And having fucking. Change the record. <laughs> and yeah, but she was like making all of the formal decisions and there were so many like huge, huge changes to Russia that happened under her reign. Like, um, she rewrote all of the laws, all of them. Like, she summoned this first meeting with, like, her cabinet members or whatever. And they, they like, there's a story, I'm not sure if it's apocryphal, where they were like, okay, um, so do you want to be called Catherine the Great or Catherine the Mother of All Russia or Catherine the Great and Proud? And she, like, like had this big thing where she was like, can we stop? Because we're supposed to be looking after the common people and this is wasting everyone's time. Oh. So was she nice? Or did she, did she like kill lots of people? Like, where's the kind of but here? Well, so essentially Russia at the time was led at a basic form of slavery, which okay. is, you know, you've heard of serfs before. Um, so a serf is like, you know, a peasant who is, their job is to work on a landowner's land yeah. and essentially belongs to the landowner. 
and they they can be traded and they have essentially no rights at all. And it was like there was like peasant revolts all the time, and that was like that's like basically where the the, the genesis of the Russian Revolution really came from is that these people had no rights whatsoever, and the nobility were spaffing all the money away. Right. Um. So her kind of bill of laws that she put together, the Nakaz, she consulted like. Muslim people, she consulted Buddhist people, like people from all levels of the empire. And like, what's the best thing for your people? How can we make something that works for everybody? Aww. She didn't consult the serfs because I think she probably considered them inhuman. Right. But, well, but you know. she did give them like more rights than they'd ever had previously, ever. Like they could, they had, she installed like a formal complaint system. And if their landowner wasn't treating them right, they actually, there was a process. Classic German efficiency there. Yeah, classic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and apparently that also like banned her from having to deal with them because before then a serf could like plead with the, the Tsarina. And she oh, was like, I right. don't, can't handle that. Oh, no. Can't be dealing with that. Fair. <laughs> Let's get, like, get an official system in place. And yeah, so she just ruled Russia amazingly. She like educated all the women of Russia as well. She was like a huge believer in educating God, girls. What an absolute lass. She was unreal. Like she was so good, and like she became this patron of the arts. And there were like people who were like banned from doing work in their own country because it was against the Bible or it was heretical. Um, and she would like come to Russia, do it here, have fuck me, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Good honour. And, and and she has a long, long life. She dies of natural causes. Like no way. She rules for absolutely ages, makes all these great, great changes. And the kind of the lasting legacy of her is that she fucked a horse. Oh. Have you heard this before? Oh, yeah. I was actually surprised when neither of you mentioned it when I brought her well, up. Well, now you've said it, I knew that there was someone in history with that, but yeah, I, didn't, I wouldn't have put two and two together. Yeah, well, that's her. Well, did, oh. But did, where's that, did she? I think what it probably came from is... She would basically get up on a gust of wind. Like she loved a shag. <laughs> she like she shagged someone and then later made them the king of Poland. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love her! I love her so much. Like she shagged Potemkin. She shagged everybody. Like she loved a shag. Oh, good honor. And even like Lenin years later was like one of the greatest things about um, Queen Catherine is that she had like great taste in people because all the people she shagged were actually like awesome and geniuses and brilliant. That is so brilliant. Yeah. Will you come to bed with me? Oh, I'm not sure. I'll make you the king of Poland. <laughs> come on. Come on, you love Poland. You yeah. love to ski. <laughs> um, I can't speak the language, but you'll be the king. Fuck it, change the language. I was her all over. Yeah, and I just, I love learning about her because she's like, we think of Russia as being this really like, you know, strict and narrow-minded place, but she yeah. was like massive progressive. She was like one of the first earliest people to believe in like vaccinations and stuff. Wow. Yeah. She was the Hillary of her time. Or the Michelle she Obama. She was better than Hillary. She was the Michelle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Caroline, you're a fan of weighing on things you believe are yours and don't want to share, aren't you? I am. Sometimes I get thrown out of Top Shop, but other times they don't notice. Until I'm gone. Well then, you'll love this week's Women Who Code Mixer, which is all about domain names. So a domain name, sometimes called a web address, uh, do we all generally understand that a web address works in kind of the same way as a normal address for a house or a street, in the sense that you can't have a house without an address, but you can have an address without a house? I don't understand what you're talking about. Oh, Alex, um, a house, it's like a flat, but you don't rent it and you, you can't get kicked out at any time. It's just yours. Oh, 
so domain names have a big system which organises them called the DNS or domain name system. <gasps> Very direct. Genuine shock there, because I've seen DNS written down places before, and the minute I do, I'm like, no. I, yeah. I, this yeah, isn't yeah. for me. <laughs> Same. You bring IT, and they're like, check on the DNS server. Don't know what that is. No. Mm-hmm. Domain name system. Uh, server. So next time IT says that, you can be like, actually, the domain name system told me to fuck off. So, yeah. Um, Why don't you do it? <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing you need to know about this is that internet service can only be addressed by an IP address which is the numerical label assigned to each device which uses the internet, whether it's like an internet server that's hosting a website or whether it's your laptop that's using a website. Like its very own phone number. Exactly. Every website is hosted by a computer, even the big ones like Google. Uh, But Google will just have lots of computers and lots of different IP addresses because it's huge and needs lots of space and power. Do you reckon at least three? At least, I mean, four. Wow. Yeah, I think so. Big news. So the DNS translates the domain name into an IP address so that your computer can talk to the other computer. Oh, that's cute. What if those computers just get bombed? Is Google just gone then? That actually has... You know, sometimes when WhatsApp goes down and it's yeah. like, oh, it's because their server went down. You're like, is this... No. That's it's like not when, a physical thing. It's like, like yeah. when Jen brings that box into the meeting in the it crowd and she's like, I have in my hands the internet. <laughs> yeah, it's hosted on... Even Google know, is hosted know, on actual computers. I know that computers. servers are things, but also I just think that everything's in space. You Same. Know? Infallible space. So essentially, the DNS allows you to type in google.com mm-hmm. and it will find the IP address and then you can go on Google. That's nice. I actually have a favourite IP address. It's 522-222-157-51. Oh, I love that one. No, classic. Oh. Real good. It's... Which Leonardo DiCaprio movie character are you? Oh. She's essential and should right. be on everyone's bookmarks. Yeah. So, Hannah, if I host my website, LeonardoDiCaprioLookingHandsome.com, on one server and I want to change it, can I keep my expensive domain name? Uh, you can, Alex, because the DNS will be updated. Um, oh. So you can keep your expensive that's domain a, name. That's really good because you're looking fairly rough lately, so you might want to change that. <laughs> the purpose what. of your blog. Yeah, I know. He um, looks like he sells rugs door to door. He, In between films, he just looks like Jack Nicholson. Just does. Crossed with a frog. And then he just... <laughs> and then he just morphs he back in yeah. to movie Leo. You think he just has many girdles for every part of his body. <laughs> the back of him is just like big pouches of fat that you can't see from the front. <laughs> what, taped up? Yeah. Taped up for the back. So maybe actually you want to change that domain name. Maybe it's not worth keeping it. Maybe it's leosgirdles.co.uk. Yeah, exactly. Get a new one. Um, and if you want to buy a new domain name, like leosgirdles.com, uh, you need to go to a domain name registrar, like GoDaddy. Mm, daddies. Why is it called that? <laughs> and then when you're there, you can choose whether you want a .com, .net, .org, for example. There's um, loads of address. weird ones now. There's mm. loads, yeah. And there's some also that are country codes, so like .co.uk, for example, .be for Belgium, uh, bit.ly. Oh, apparently um, uh, Catalonia, their domain is .cat, and they are really, really rigid about other people using .cat because just cat people use it. <laughs> oh! And they're just like, no, stop. Yeah. We will send you a cease and desist. Uh, my favourite fact, which I wanted to end on, is that popular music personality Will I Am has a Armenia domain name, .am. Oh, Will I Am Armenia. Will I Armenia. Will I Armenia? I wish it was Will I Armenia. I hope he does a fucking concert there once a year or something to give yeah, back everything Armenia has so, given yeah. him. I hope so. 
So Hannah, you look as though you've inexplicably frozen something to your back and forgotten about it for months. How did that happen? Yes, I bought a fancy cheese to feel grown up, uh, but it just kept getting pushed further and further back into the fridge uh, by my insatiable appetite for froobs. Classic Hannah Varrell. It's quite sad, really. Um, I decided to do fridges today because there was a listener submission. Oh! My friend Andrew said, Hi Hannah, it's Andrew. As a dumb man, I'm not sure I qualify for this, but I have a question. How do fridges work? Like, how do you stop particles flying around? Thanks. I don't know what Andrew has in his fridge, but I feel like it might be alive. Yeah, I feel like he opens the fridge and it's like the upside down and it's just bits everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, just what is he on about? In his face. Yeah, I think he means that when you warm up food, what happens is the heat is the movement of particles. Oh, I and see. So in mm. a hot cup of tea, the, the particles will be moving around more than in a cold cup of tea, which is spun by your bed for Ooh. three weeks. So there's a different mm. <laughs> layer of green. I used to be a fridge. Oh, before you yeah, uh, people used to, knew a man. Yeah, people used to call me a fridge. Oh. Was that a thing? That, well, you grew up as well? Cause I, yeah, because I hadn't pulled anyone yet. Oh my God, I thought that was like a cork thing, but like, no, that's like, that's international, isn't it? Yeah, it's international, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, frigid was the... Or, yeah, frigid. Yeah. Or long, in like, long form. in the cork accent, it was frigid. Uh, frigid. Yeah, and I, I never knew that it was yeah. frigid. Yeah, so that's the kind of thing. And it's kind of like, you know, when you have solid honey and then you warm it up and it goes runny. Like Who has solid no. honey? Oh. Yeah, when it crystallises... Um, I think we know from talking about salt a few weeks ago, yeah. uh, food goes bad when bacteria breathes inside of it um, and bacteria grow less quickly at lower temperatures. Mm. So the cooler you keep the food, the longer it will last. But how does a fridge work? I don't know, but why can't you get out of one once you're in it? Because you're not meant to be in it, really, I think. I know, but that was always a thing when mm. you were a kid, isn't it? Don't get inside a fridge. If you see an abandoned fridge, oh, yeah. don't get in it. washing machine. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How many those... children had to be stuck inside appliances for that to be like <laughs> common knowledge? They definitely should have a little release button. Yeah. So basically, there's quite a simple, like, science answer to this. Um, fridges use gases and pressure to regulate temperature. And that's because when gases are at a higher pressure, they are hot. And if they then go to a lower pressure, they will get colder. So, like, when you spray oh. deodorant, mm-hmm. it's cold, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, and it's cold oh, because yeah. the heat that's in the particles, it's at really high pressure. Yeah. And then when it comes out, it's distributed over a bigger volume of space. Yeah. So the temperature oh. falls, it gets cooler. See also dry shampoo, whenever you spray it, the can goes really cold. Yeah. Yes. Is that the same thing when you get like a wart frozen off? Yes, it is Ooh. exactly the same thing. <laughs> and so, you know, the pipe that goes around the back of the fridge and then it goes inside the fridge at the back as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's basically... There's a compressor on either end and it's at low pressure inside the fridge, so it's cool. And then it gets compressed and when it goes to the outside, of the, it's all kind of going around in a big cycle. And then when it gets to the outside of the fridge, um, it's compressed and then it's at a higher temperature and then it sort of releases the energy and goes back in. And so that way the fridge stays cold on the inside and it's kind of hot at the back. Mm. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I think I think I barely get it. It's just weird, isn't it? Because you can open the fridge quite a lot. You'd think there'd be like a vortex. No, but the gas is inside the pipes. What pipes? Where are the pipes? The pipes at the back of the, the fridge. The pipes, the pipes are... Pl- Sorry. <laughs> I see. Okay, I've got it. Yeah? So how does a freezer work then? Mm. The same, exactly the same way, actually. But, but more. Just, but more. more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a lot smaller. That's how they advertise as freezers. Yeah. Like um, fridge, but more. Or did they come up with freezer first? Like oh, freezer, but actually. less. I think they came up with fridges first. Um, and the guy who discovered this whole thing about gases and the pressure making it colder and hotter, um, guess when he lived? <gasps> Ooh, um... 1833. 1904. It was the flippant 11th century. Get out! What? Not joking. Uh, it was a Persian physicist and chemist called Ibn Sina. Ibn Sina Fridge? Yeah. He invented the <laughs> refrigerated coil, which he developed into a usable working tool. But then they kind of didn't really invent fridges until sort of 1748, maybe? I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's like a lot of people did like little bits that changed it. And then they're mm. like, oh, well, this is what we would call the modern day freezer. And um, and it's kind of hard to know at what point mm. does a fridge become a fridge? It's quite an existential question, that. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there was some fridge fridge action around like the 1700s, the 1800s, um, and before then, obviously, people just kind of used ice or snow and things like that. They would have like ice houses if they were nice and rich, um, and if they didn't, they just kind of like put stuff outside, I guess, and be mm-hmm. like, I hope it stays cold and doesn't go mouldy, like we do with beers in the winter to mm. save on fridge space. Exactly at Christmas. That is pure Christmas, isn't it? Is having like yeah. outside your parents' sliding door just yeah. loads of beers. Yeah. Like, and then loads of like weird liqueurs that oh. relatives have brought you and you're like, oh god, yeah. I'm never going to drink that. And then it gets to about half eleven and you're like, put me some of that cherry yeah. bloody that milkshake thing. Yeah. Go on for a pissed frag at like 3am yeah. with your cousin and you're like, oh look what's here. I guess I'll have this. <laughs> oh god, I'm feeling really cosy and Christmassy now. <laughs> um, so fridges started to become really popular in like the 1900s and there was one in fact in 1927 uh, called the monitor top refrigerator and it was invented by General Electric um, and they used sulphur dioxide which is corrosive and causes like oh, your eyes to dissolve and stuff uh, and methyl formate which is highly flammable Ooh. and toxic it wasn't like just painted on the fridge so it was okay it didn't get in people's eyes and things when you said General Electric I thought you meant like an army officer called General Electric. (laughs) Um, But there is a theory on the internet that General Electric only invented this monitor top fridge um, because they were creating more power than they needed. And so then they were like, oh, well, if we have fridges, then they have to run 24-7. And it's a perfect way of encouraging power usage. How clever is that? General Electric are one of those companies that people like to demonise and theorise about quite a lot because they like to have everything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Quite sexy. To round my segment off, I've got a little quiz for you guys. Oh. Okay. Answer these three questions and I'll tell you which fridge you are. Oh, great. Okay. <gasps> so, number one, would you rather eat a block of cheese that's gone dry in the fridge or half a lemon that's sat there for a week? Half a lemon. Cheese. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you buy milk in one, two, four, or God forbid, six pints? Two. Sometimes four. one. Four. Okay. Interesting. Uh, and do you prefer podcasts about cold cases or cold shoulder tops? Mm. I don't like either. Cold cases <laughs> if I had to choose one. Yeah, me too. But like, why Why is everybody so much more into murder than I am? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm with you on that, definitely. Yeah. All right, so the results are in. Caroline, you are a retro smeg from John <gasps> Lewis. That's the one I want at the moment, but I can't afford it. <laughs> I Listeners, have one. please do send it in. <laughs> you do have one. You cost yeah. over a grand and you're in a pastel colour that doesn't match anything else in the kitchen. Oh, oh my God, that's literally my fridge. It's like a cream. <laughs> that's the Ooh. fridge I want. Yeah. 
All right, Alex, this is kind of unprecedented. Um, I didn't think this was possible as a result, but somehow you're an industrial grade freezer. <laughs> Um, and I think I think it might be the kind you use in supermarkets to get all the frozen peas out. Wow. They have to lean into it. Good, and then it's cold hearted. You do have a lot yeah. of frozen food at you in you at any one time. So. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, I'm a slinky drinks fridge in a fancy bar holding European lagers and fruity ciders. But oh. well, you're an absolute delight. I mean, we all knew that already, though. Yeah. That's the thing. But you'll be coming to me when the apocalypse happens. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, Alex, your jeans are looking a bit faulty. It's actually hereditary, Caroline. It's really offensive. Oh, I'm sorry. We all wear bad jeans in our family. Hey! <laughs> hey. That's right, I'm doing denim for this week's segment. Denim, 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 denim. <laughs> denim, 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 denim. How long have you been wearing denim? How many pairs of jeans have you got? Have you ever gone through a time in your life where you haven't had a pair of jeans? No. No time. No time ever. Isn't it weird? And also, when I was thinking about denim in general before I get into the technical stuff if you came in here with a pair of blue trousers and a big pink fluffy jumper and some orange shoes I'd be like oh it doesn't really go but fine but you can wear any colour with jeans even though they are blue That's traditionally so true, yeah. and it, it's like they go with everything but why they are a blue trouser they are a blue trouser yeah but they say they say something they mean something mm, they do mean something Hannah yeah it's like um when when you say when you're reading a page of a novel, you don't realise how many times you're reading the word and or she said. Oh, yeah. God, I mean, you just yeah. blank it out. Yeah. It's weird. I think that's it with jeans. You don't even see them anymore. You yeah, just see like a yeah. hovering torso. But when yeah. you do see them and you're like in a crowd and then suddenly you're like, everyone's wearing blue yeah. jeans. Yeah. I can't handle it. And you just kind of... <laughs> like just the children, them. the old people, yeah. the men, the yeah. women, everyone. <laughs> the babies. Like, 90% of the people here are wearing blue jeans. Yeah. Why yeah. are we such clones? I'm actually we wearing clones. Um, black cigarette trousers right now. Lovely. What are you wearing? I'm jeans. Wearing, I'm the only jeans wearer here. Oh, I'm you are. Black jeans. I'm wearing a pinstripe trouser as if I'm a stockbroker from the 1930s. Mm. The word denim comes from. This sounds like a really dry intro to a wedding speech, but it's really funny. <laughs> the word God. denim comes from uh, <laughs> Serge Denim. Oh, which is a place Serge. in France where the fabric first originated from. But Serge de Nîmes, or Nîmes, Nîmes, Nîmes. Serge de Nîmes, yeah. 
is the name of Proudlock from Made in Chelsea's brand. <laughs> Oh, and I've what? always wondered why I was like, is that his like French ancestor or something? No, it's the origin of denim and Proudlock has hijacked it. Oh. He has no right to do that. I know. But yeah, essentially though, that's where the sort of fabric of denim came from. But then in America, they replicated it. Of course, they bloody did. Mm. Right. Um, they were invented. When do you think? Can I don't look at my notes? Oh, uh, I feel like it was early 1900s. Caroline? Yeah, same. Either late 18th or early 19th. Well, yeah, not too bad. 1873. Do you know who by? Levi Strauss. Correct. Mm. And Jacob Davis, his partner. God, he doesn't get much of a look in, does he? I know. No one's like, put put a pair of your Jacobs on. (laughs) (laughs) I've only got a few minutes, so I won't go into the whole history of jeans. But if you have got time, or denim, sorry, do look it up, because it's very interesting. It's a whole socioeconomic movement, basically, that they represent. Um, They were invented because um, somebody came to Jacob Davis uh, in the early 1870s and said they needed a a work pant that was comfortable but also durable, like something that wasn't going to rip easily or whatever. Um, And so he got this material from Genoa in Italy and Genoa in Italian is pronounced Gines, hence (gasps) jeans. So it was a very similar fabric to the one in Serge Denim. So that's where they both come from, both oh, European. Denim Genoas. Exactly, <laughs> Right. <laughs> but they both mean the same thing. They both basically mean denim. So Well, jeans are made from denim, but oh. they just kind of took it, you know. Oh, okay. And he, he decided that one of the facets of what was going to make these trousers really durable is that he was going to sort of affix the panels of the jeans together with like little bolts I mean they're not called that but Mm. the rivets the rivets yeah Yeah. that's what makes them really really strong like a traditional pair of I mean I imagine I was reading about this a lot today and I imagine that the first pair of jeans were almost like wearing concrete you know what I mean like so starchy and stiff and um, but anyway he he made this pair of jeans for his uh, this guy that asked him they needed some trousers and they were doing really well and then all the other workmen were like oh my god these trousers are great can we get some and then he rang Levi Strauss uh, who had come over to America from Germany and he had he was like helping his brother with a dry goods company but I think and then he moved to San Francisco uh, just to set up the business there but I think this Jacob uh, Davis knew that he had a business eye and so he rang him up and they partnered together to make Levi Strauss the famous mm. jeans brand. Do you think they just flipped a coin and they were like... I know, poor old Jacob <laughs> Davis. He actually invented them. He was the one with the idea, yeah. yeah. No one knows where 501 comes from. You know, the classic is the Levi's 501. Yeah, yeah. And they reckon that's because the details of why that happened was, were lost in a factory fire in 1906. Oh, oh that's I know. So we don't know why they're called 501. Um, People who are really like into their Levi's, they have this thing about like, oh, you, you put them on and then you get in the bath. Like, you hear all kinds of ways of, like, how to break in Levi's. There's a whole, like, jeans culture, and that's the thing. So then it it went from the sort of workers' uniform, basically, and then it cowboys started wearing them, Mm -hmm. and then cowboys were seen in films, and then actors were playing cowboys in films, and they were wearing jeans, and then the actors started wearing the jeans in real life, you know, like classic James Dean wearing them, and then they became this extremely cool, one of the first kind of informal pieces of clothing, yeah. really, that people wore. I mean, they've only been around 150 years, really. Yeah, yeah. The reason people liked jeans, the working classes, was because they the jeans wore as time went on because the fabric that you use to make jeans is dyed indigo on one side and then on, that's why your jeans are always lighter on the inside, yeah. blue jeans. 
Um, so as you wear them, they start wearing off and they sort of, they wear with you, essentially. Mm. So each pair looks different. It looks different on every person, depending on how long you've got them. And they kind of liked that symbol of, you know, if you've had this pair of jeans for 20 years and you've been working in, in them for 20 years, then, you know, yeah. it's a... It's a, very, it's a very cool history jeans yeah. have got. I remember reading a while ago, um, one of my favourite writers, Fran Leibovitz, she oh, she was the same thing every day, which is a black blazer and blue yeah. jeans. And she talked about how in the 60s, she tried to buy herself a pair of jeans and you couldn't buy women's jeans for love nor money. And she was literally sent out of shops. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So when did women's jeans So happen? women wore them a lot later. Um, because when I was researching the sort of initial history today, women didn't really come into it but I think women only started wearing jeans in maybe the 70s well, that's Whoa. when they started wearing trousers I guess yeah. really so yeah and also because it was like a workman's thing then it became cool and then it became I mean it's extremely fashionable today it's not associated with workwear at all but it is associated with like every day and the comfort and you can work in you know you can work in them and they're not extremely starchy and horrible anymore mm. so that's very nice but I have some jeans facts Oh. The uh, the most expensive pair of blue jeans ever are sold for £250,000. Don't buy them. How? Awful. I don't know. It would just be some novelty thing. Were they it? like Jesus wore these jeans? Yeah, <laughs> probably. And the Pope was like, oh, I've got, a, got yeah. a little fund at the Vatican. Exactly. <laughs> the famous Parisian fashion designer, Yves Saint Laurent, confessed... To, I mean, you couldn't think of a designer less jeansy. And yet he confessed once that he regretted that he had not invented jeans. <laughs> I know. He, I mean, I regret that I didn't invent jeans because yeah. <laughs> I know, would have made a lot of money. I think he's one of those designers like Karl Lagerfeld or whoever that will be like, I would never be seen dead. You expect him to be like, yeah. jeans are the devil you have given up yeah. on life. <laughs> but essentially, yeah, even these really uh, chic designers were jealous that these two blokes from San Francisco that were workers yeah. essentially invented mm. denim. I have a confession the pair of blue jeans that I wear the most that I like, like rely on um, are ones that I borrowed off Alex one day three years ago. <gasps> really? Yeah, literally. Like I, I think I texted you because I um, I stayed in somebody's house the night before and I had no, and it was raining and I had no proper clothes and I was wearing like a skirt <laughs> and I texted you, I was like, can you bring clothes to work if you left? And you're like, fine. And you gave me these Gap jeans. Oh, they looked awful on me. You can have well, them. Well, I still wear Well, thanks because I <laughs> yeah. have them. <laughs> That's totally fine. You may yeah. keep them. Those are the jeans that everyone was like, these are the, the girlfriend jeans for you. Oh, no. I looked like I was wearing a plastic bag. It was <laughs> awful. They hung on me so wrong. But I'm glad that you found yeah. love. I also thought I'd given them away to a charity shop. So Well, you did. Oh, you did. <laughs> I did. Your I've dirty stop out. so pants. often now the crotch has started to wear away. So. <laughs> I'll sew that up for you, don't you worry. <laughs> um, I have a question. Please go on. Which is, why is it so hard to find jeans that like fit you properly? There's such a kind of myth around the whole jeans thing that it's like you can't buy them online because you have to yeah, go to the shop. Yeah, so true. So um, why is that? Do you know why I think it is? This is not the answer you're going to want. It's to make you buy more. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. it's like people fashion editors going oh, I can never find the perfect white shirt or the perfect black trousers yes you can you just have to say that every year so that people go about and buy more oh my god it's a conspiracy there was a conspiracy with jeans wasn't there there was like a certain brand of jeans who like paired up with slim fast to um, <gasps> make their sizes more um, smaller oh, so that's wow. if you thought you were size 10 they would, it would be a size 8 kind of thing well, that's nice isn't it it's lovely yeah well, just what women need mm. <laughs> So Caroline, this week, instead of a regular smart lesson, you've prepared something a little different for us, haven't you? That's right, Hannah. So 
I've noticed a lot of the same questions going around lately, and while the start of the question is always different, the end is always the same. Well, what is it? Um, it's always like, can I like blankety blank and still be a feminist? Oh yeah. It's like all the like big ladies magazines are like, can I like rap music and still be a feminist? Can I like Lena Dunham and still be a feminist? Can I routinely buy clothing from shops that exploit women in developing countries and still be a feminist? Yeah, and also like, can I dislike Hillary Clinton and still be a feminist, even though I can't vote in American elections and could never get my opinion, and so essentially it means nothing. Uh, well, Alex, I've taken the questions that are on everyone's mind and we're going to vote once and for all on whether or not you can still be a feminist, thereby settling the matter permanently and taking no other women's opinions into account. Thank you for this absolutely foolproof system. Okay, so you, you all have the questions in front of you, so yes. let's, we'll just go around. <sighs> I'll start. Uh, number one, this actually appeared in Slate, I believe, mm-hmm. in 2015. Uh, can you barbecue and still be a feminist? I would not see any correlation between misogyny no. and sausages. Um, Ironically, they've picked that. <laughs> uh, I think what the writer was trying to say was barbecues had been co-opted by male culture as being right. a thing that men do. Um, so do you want to cook meat with men outside, like a collaborator? Yeah, but I mean, oh. like CEOs have been sort of taken over by men, but we're still supposed to want to be them. Exactly. <laughs> can't we? Can't I'd we rather like, die. But... Reappropriate barbecues. Yeah, let's reappropriate the Mars. Um, so uh, we let's get some spatulas that say "Yacht Queen" on them. Oh, yes. yep. oh yeah, yeah. We can get a lovely uh, apron with a picture of a cartoon man's naked body on it. Oh, yes, or just a big nice. fucking vulva. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, do B and Q do any sort of slightly smaller barbecues for her? Or they don't even do anything. They can just change B and Q to bitch and queen. Oh, ah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Next question. So next one is, can you vote for Donald Trump and still be feminist? I don't think you can. I kind of feel like that's a no. No, I feel like it's a no. I think it's a resounding no. Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Alex? Can you be a feminist and still watch porn? I hope the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'm a bad, bad, bad feminist who needs to be spanked. <laughs> There's definitely feminist porn, though, isn't there? There is. Oh, yeah. If you go on all the big porn sites, which I'm sure some people do and not me, um, you, there's like a section for like women's interests or feminism. And it's generally just like a man with glasses. <laughs> I think you can definitely be a feminist if you watch the first half of all porns. Because you're like, oh, this is nice and sexy and they're getting into it before he starts, like, you know, punch sugar and coming on her face and you yeah. go, she's not enjoying this. No, you just get so, so sad. Yeah. <laughs> if you switch off halfway and do the rest in your head, it's a dream. I think queue up on various tabs. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. the start of yeah, many. The start. Just close them and play, close, play, close, play. <laughs> With your free hand. Yeah. <laughs> All right. um, Can you be a feminist and let your date pay for you? That's really weird. We have this debate a lot. I was having it at the weekend. Um, I I absolutely think you can do. You can let them pay for you if you want, if they want. Yeah, it's a treat, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think if you pay for them, sometimes. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Okay. So what if it's uh, Alex? You're single. Mm -hmm. Um, What if it's a sort of first date with someone fancy and uh, they just get the check and you don't really know them very well and you don't even know if you'll see them again? Are you just like fine? I'm totally fine yeah. with that. I don't think, unless, I mean, it's never happened to me in this way, but 
I've never had a man be like, you're a little woman and you can't pay. It's always from a quite genuinely nice place of like, I'd like to take you out. Mm. I think that's fine. The only situations where I'm like, no, is when you get get a kind of a weird feeling from someone who they want to like buy you a drink or something and you don't want that feeling that you owe them something. Yeah, Yeah. there's that. Yeah, but that's more, I think if you're on the date with them, then like, it's not as bad because you, yeah. you obviously unless you're getting that vibe out of them yeah absolutely yeah. Like, yeah like I mean if the date's going horribly and then they insist on paying I would probably just pay my half that's a weird thing isn't it because you would think the logic would be like oh I'll get the most that I can out of this bozo but actually if you're having a bad time I more want to pay do you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah, you don't yeah. like, like that's the thing you then don't feel obligated to like go for a drink with them after or, or even talk to them ever again because yeah. you're like this is just a business meeting now yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah because yeah, there's some guys that have uh, gone viral on the internet for texting their dates and being like, ah, oh, hi, I bought you a cappuccino and a piece of brownie and it was uh, £7.50 and can you transfer it back to me? Oh my God. I mean, that's just... My text and it's just like, but that's, what? you're a dick if you do that in life. That's just not, that's not oh, just totally. a man yeah. to a woman thing. That's just like... You know, like if I met you for lunch last week and it was like, you owed £5.40 and I texted you, yeah, like, you'd be, be like, like uh, all right, okay. my friend's a dick, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, similarly, if they like, don't expect if they don't expect to pay the whole thing and if they want to pay half i'm never bothered yeah ever yeah Yeah. half is fine yeah half is fine okay next one can you be a feminist and still refuse to acknowledge trans women no i think that's another no isn't it it's a big old no yeah Yeah. unless you're jermaine greer (laughs) yeah i guess i mean she is a feminist and she doesn't acknowledge them like she's like it's so weird with her isn't it because you're like you've done all this work yeah and now you're just, oh, I guess yeah. you're just going to rot in the past. And then you yeah. got stuck here. And, yeah. 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 I, I mean, like, I was talking to this about a friend, with a friend recently, and I was like, oh, it's so depressing that all these amazing feminists um, have such shitty views on, like, trans women and, like, non-white women sometimes as well. And it's like, yeah, but the point of, the point of any movement is that each new generation, if it's successful, if it's a good movement, it moves it forward so the last people are bound to disagree. So, like, I hope our fucking daughters and granddaughters have a mad thing that we think is totally, like you know, past the point of rescue. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, no, you're an old bitch. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm an old bitch. <laughs> yeah, fair. I admit it. I'm an old bitch. Yeah. Okay, Alex? <laughs> um, can you be a feminist and still murder women because you can get off on leaving mysterious clues for their loved ones? Um, if they're feminist clues, you know? Like, I mean... <laughs> I think, you know, if it makes a good story, you know, yeah. Yeah, part of being a feminist is having a real good story and there isn't enough. There's too many male murderers. We need to correct the balance of male to female imagine murderers. the bloody pay gap on that yeah. <laughs> honest to god alright last one uh, can you be a feminist and bully your friends into eating high calorie protein bars like in Mean Girls so you can feel good about yourself I think you can bully them into eating high calorie protein bars but you shouldn't value yourself on your weight or on your eating so okay so you can just bully them that's just being a boss bitch you can bully you can bully them because you're a bad person. Yeah, <laughs> I think you can do it to people that aren't your friends, like really horrible bitches. Okay, fine. Like in Mean Girls. Yeah, yeah. All feminism is for me for Mean Girls. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I think we've established that you can be a feminist most of the time, but not all the time. And being a woman is still very complex, but it's okay because ASOS has a sale on knitwear. Ooh. Well, that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening to our interminable dross. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do go over to the Apple Podcast Store and rate us or leave us a review. Recent reviews have called us I'm Old and Male and this is a very funny podcast. That's nice. Thanks to Andrew for his question about fridges. You, Andrew, are a tiny beer fridge that's always in the right place at the right time. Aww. Thanks to Harry Harris for our jingles, Gavin Day for our logo and Soho Radio Studios for our recording space. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.